Man Talk at Cottage Hill podcast is part of the men's ministry of Cottage Hill Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome to this week's episode. Hey, y'all, and welcome to this episode of Man Talk podcast at Cottage Hill Baptist Church. My name is Kyle Wiley. I am Director of Men's Ministries here at Cottage Hill, and I am here with my guest today, Mr. Chase Allen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. This is not episode one, but it is episode one of our COVID-19 series as we practice social distancing and all those good things. Chase, what has been your experience thus far in the midst of global pandemic, in the midst of self-quarantining and so many other things that I could say man I'm a super super social person so this has been one of the hardest things I'm not gonna lie being trapped like I love spending time with my wife I love spending time with my son and luckily with us working at the children's home we've got plenty of kids to hang out with but at some point in time I'm ready for some adult interaction you know I'm ready to just have conversation um that's just I like to talk so not having and I'm I like I hate talking on the phone I hate texting and even my friends will tell you I'm a terrible texter terrible I won't answer my phone when you call me you could probably attest to that um, but face to face I'll talk your head off I don't know it's just a weird thing my wife hates it it's been since day when we started dating I've never liked it just I don't know so I know people will say oh well you can just FaceTime it's not the same for me I have to be there talking to them yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a it's a little different um, you know the majority of our Life groups have gone from like Zoom meetings and stuff, and I've been in a couple of those. <laughs> it's it's a little different now. It is fun at times because you know different backgrounds and yeah. <laughs> anyway. I think I was cooking while I was on one the other day. There you go. It was just perfect timing, and I was in the middle of cooking. I was like, whatever, you meet my mic. They can't hear me anyways. <laughs> oh, hey guys, I'm just cooking some you just some see, corn dog. You see a kid in the background, my wife in the background, every now and again asking me a question. I mean, it is what it go. is. Yeah. That's how things work nowadays, right? Your family's a part uh, of everything man. now. <laughs> it is. It's all integrated. Uh, if you haven't met Chase, yes, Chase is one of the friendliest faces here at Cottage Hill. That's my opinion. Um, you may have seen him on stage helping um, with worship ministry stuff. You may have seen him just greeting people and saying, hey. But Chase and his family are part of Alabama uh, Baptist Children's Home. Why don't you tell us just a brief snippet about that, y'all's involvement? Um, so we've been with the Children's Home coming up on two years now. Um, Veronica had Aiden and our son, our one-year-old, and right after we came, we literally had two weeks of maternity leave from our previous jobs and went straight into working at the Children's Home. Um, we've loved it, you know, the Children's Home. We It's a um, foster care. We, we're taking kids. They're, we're kind of a – we reach, DHR reaches out to us and um, – we're kind of a, you know, we have our own home, but there with the kids we have a girls' home and a boys' home. Um, we can have up to eight in our girls' home and nine in our um, boys' home. And so we're what, what you call the relief house parents. So we have two lead house parents. Um, they're there six days. They do the majority of the major stuff, shopping, budgeting, all that good stuff. And then we kind of come in and give them their three days off. So we'll do three days in the boys' house and three days in the girls' house. And pretty much there just to kind of maintain what they've already established rules and stuff like that and just you know give yeah. them a, a break you know so we all get we all work six days on we all work we are all three days so it kind of works out that way so it gives us a little bit of a break but you know at the same time 
you know, we love it because we get to work in both houses, and it's definitely working two separate jobs to work versus a boy's house and a girl's house. I oh, mean, really? They're not just <laughs> they're exactly real similar? The same. No, yeah, exactly. They're exactly the same. No, it's definitely, you know, you go to the boy's house, and, I mean, you know, they're mad at each other. They yell at each other for a second. They're best friends two seconds later. You go right. to the girl's house, and, you know, they something happened a month ago, but then they end up fighting over a hair tie, and you find out that it was something that happened a month ago that brought them to that, that someone <laughs> took someone's nail polish a month ago, oh, yeah. and here it is four weeks later. And for sure. So Veronica's a lot that. more hands-on in the girl's house. She's better at dealing with stuff in that house, as you can tell, and I'm a lot better at dealing with stuff in the boys' house. So it works out. You know, we both kind of – I always – we kind of get a break, you know, like when in the boys' house. Veronica, she, do, she does help out, obviously, but, you know, when it comes to the majority of the stuff, you know, it's just easier for me being a male working with the boys and then same thing vice versa in the girls house so yeah and then sometimes you just get a situation where it doesn't matter it's just crazy. oh yeah it's just crazy town because you're dealing with a lot of teenagers and oh yeah and that's we actually just went used to you know with it being the children's home people automatically assume that we're children but our now our foster parents like they get more majority of the children our campus is 13 and up now they just mm-hmm. we just changed that so it is all teenagers, oh, man. all teenage emotions, <laughs> you know. It's, it's a just... constant WB, like, show. Oh, yeah. Gone yeah. going. For sure, you know. And it, it, it's definitely, like, it, it, it's one of those jobs that it's so rewarding, it's so fun, but, you know, and those kids will definitely, you know, it's either going to make you not want kids the rest of your life or it's going to make you love kids. <laughs> and for us, it's a constant battle, you know. I mean, I, you know, these kids are all great, you know, but obviously with any family, you know, you have your – because that's what we are. We're one big family. That's what we tell the kids all the time. You know, we are one big family. That's what we love about the children's home is that our goal is always to get the kids back to, you know, wherever they were taken from, you right. know, whether it be parents. So, and I love that because, you know, it, it helps us, you know, we don't necessarily always get to build a connection with the parents, but sometimes we do. And it kind of helps, you know, to see, you know, things like that. So I tell the kids all the time, hey, we're here to love on you until, you know, you can go back home. Because, and the kids, of course, like, you know, they're coming in these situations and they may, I can't tell you how many times I've heard I hate it here, and all I can tell you is I, I get it. I, I I'm not. Yeah. I don't blame you for not wanting to be here, you know. And so, it's it's one of those jobs. Like I said, it's very rewarding, but it has its down downtime too, and that's just part of it. It's hills and valleys with anything in life, but especially this job. Yeah. If you're listening in, I mean, you should know that when it comes to faith and it comes to walking that out, it's something that Chase and Veronica and their whole staff they have to do day in day out. You can't really compartmentalize your faith when you're doing what y'all are doing so how did you come to know the lord like i know faith is a big part Mm -hmm. of your life big part of veronica's life how did you in particular come to know jesus yeah so my story it's kind of one of those like so i grew up in a home that it wasn't it was a good home i mean i was always told to do good things good morals but there was never a purpose for those morals. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like just be a good good person yeah just be a good person and so I lived that for the longest time, and I remember a buddy, I think I was 13, 14, invited me to his church, and, you know, it sounded fun, and I went, and that summer I went to summer camp with him, like, you know, mo- most kids do, you know, and, I mean, genuinely fell in love with the Lord. I mean, I seen, you know, the whole time building up to it, you see that people are different. You see something different about them, and, I mean, it shows you that you can genuinely see that and, mm-hmm. you know, accepted the Lord then, and he didn't, I'm going to rephrase it, he didn't, I didn't really start, I wasn't really committed, you know, years i mean i i would go to church and i was good at doing the things that you needed to do to make people 
you know, think that you were a good a good Christian, you know sure. what I mean? You know, Play the game. Exactly, yeah. you know, I, I, I had so many people convinced that I had my, and I had myself convinced, you know, that this was true and genuine and um, wasn't until I was, I don't know, probably say I was 17 or 18, um, I was transitioning out of the youth and didn't know what to do, you know, like that was what my life, to me that was what everything depended on, you know, I didn't know what to do and uh, a buddy of mine, he had been a mentor throughout my life, still is to this day, um, he was teaching Royal Ambassadors, which is, it's kindergarten to sixth grade boys, um, good old RAs, man, good old RAs. He was teaching that and he asked me if I wanted to start helping out with him and I had nothing else to do, so I was like, yeah, cool, but, you know, I always, I always felt this need to want to teach and, and stuff like that, so this was an opportunity, and kind of started helping him out, and he did what any great mentor I feel like should do, um, he finally went, all right, it's yours, and walked away, <laughs> you know, and I was like, ah, I'm not ready for this, and he's like, no, you So he worked ready. himself out it. of that position. Oh, then. yeah, and, that, and that's, yeah. He, that's what always made, was always something good about him, is he... He was always big about don't leave a position until you've trained someone to take your place. And when he far so he left RAs and he became the youth pastor at the church we were at. Well, I trained up somebody, took over RAs. I became the assistant youth pastor and was helping him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of went from there. And so that was when it really started. I feel like I really started realizing, okay, I can't put on the act anymore. Now, now I'm teaching. Now I, it has to be true and genuine because eventually people are going to start realizing that you know, if you're not teaching the real stuff, they're gonna people are gonna pick up on it, and that's when I started realizing that I wasn't doing it right. That I was, you know, just phoning it in. I was just doing the checklist that people, you know, mm-hmm. that people think they need to do to become a Christian. And it wasn't until I started teaching, you know, as I'm teaching these people, I'm teaching myself, and I'm realizing, oh wow, you know, like, I'm not exactly. I'm not living it. The, the I'm not right. living it really. You know, I'm teaching it, but now I'm seeing that as I'm teaching it, you know, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I would be teaching. These, these young people, and in the back of my mind, I'm almost starting to cry because I'm realizing what I'm teaching is what I need to be doing, you mm-hmm. know. And so that was probably 18, 19 is when it really got serious. And, you know, I started – I had a lot of – you know, we my family had lost our home. My parents got a divorce. Um, just some things like that that kind of forced me to grow up. You know, I was 18, had to figure it out, you know. And so um, when stuff like that happens, you know, you have to grow up and – that's what happened, and it was it was a blessing for sure. Like you know, looking back, and I'm like, if all of that wouldn't have happened, you know, where would I be today? Right. You know, and so I think that it, you know, that helped, and everything's good now. I tell everybody, I, I love my story because, you know, even though all that craziness happened, even though my parents got divorced, they're both in good places now. They're both happy. You know, we're one big happy family again, just with a couple extra members now. <laughs> you know, and I like it that way. You know, I mean, I, I love my stepfather. You know, I love all of them just as just as equally. You know, and so. I enjoy that, you know. So that's kind of how, like I said, accepted Christ at 13, but didn't really start living it the proper way until, you know, 18, 19 years old. Gotcha. When it comes to, I mean, even with what you just said, and it's Ken, right? Yeah. So Ken. Shout out to Ken Irby. He's the man. There you go. (laughs) Ken Irby. Uh, Ken has played a huge role in Chase's life, his walk with Jesus. I'm always curious about this. What... I mean, just from your own life and living this out, what role do you see mentorship and discipleship in particular playing? I mean, you can we can look at it in your life and the in the role that it's played, but how do you see that and want to pass that along? Yeah. So the thing I've realized about it is that everyone should be being discipled or being mentored, and they should also be mentoring and discipling someone. I, mm-hmm. I believe it's a, a give and take thing, you know. Um, and I learned that, you know. Um, 
I know for a fact I wouldn't be the person I was if it wouldn't have been for someone. I don't want to say he was, he was forcing me per se, but he knew I was ready whether I said I was ready or not. Right. You know, and he was always, I, I can't say how many times I'd go to him and be like, hey, man, you know, the church should be doing this. And his response was, well, then do it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, okay, well I mean, it. I didn't necessarily want to do it. I'm just, well, then it's not that big of, then it's not that big of a deal. He would always, it's not that man, big of a deal. Man, I just then. wanted to complain. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Let me, let me whine. Yeah. And, and that is what happens. I mean, it yeah. happens to all of us. You know, we do that. But oh, it happens a lot. When, it, when you're actually faced with it, you're like, like he was, you know, if it's that big of a deal to you, well, then do something about but it. But that's not my calling. <laughs> right. And, that's and, not me. That's not my calling. Yeah. I can't, and I, I jokingly say this all the time. I, and, but it was, I can't, and I, I I can't say how many times a mentor hurt my feelings, but but it, mm-hmm. it, it, that should happen. You know, it, it sounds like this bad thing. I mean, I tell my wife all the time. Sometimes I think my mentor made me cry more than anybody in my life. But it was good tears. I mean, because at the time I have been I might have been mad, but I realized he's being honest, and that's what you know. You need someone in your life that isn't just telling you what you want to hear, isn't just right. you know giving you. They're when you're not doing something right, they're calling you out on it. You know, and they're and they're. They're coming at it from a loving way, and that's what he always did. Right. You know, he, yes, he called me out, but I never doubted that it was that it was vindictive or it was him just being mean. It was him genuinely wanting to help me, and yeah. you know, I mean, he did that all throughout my life. Iron sharpening iron for sure. Like 100%. so often, <laughs> we love to like talk about, yeah, man, we're iron sharpening iron, yeah. and then not understanding yep. sparks fly, yep. things hurt. And it's usually in that moment that somebody's oh, yeah. so excited about that iron sharpening iron, and suddenly they're like, mm, "Yeah." And then when it gets real, I'm, they want to back out. <laughs> I'm out. Yep. I I'm out. Yep. And that's you know, and there was times not because again before before he came along, I didn't really know what you know. I mean, yeah, I had parents, and they were great parents, and they but you know, I never had anybody that was 100% real like that when it came to stuff. And so, I mean, I can tell you the first time that you know uh, it was it was the first year that I went to youth camp as a leader. And my current wife, she went, and she was technically— current wife? Yeah, current wife. Like, <laughs> my, she, at the time, she was Chase, my girlfriend. Chase has had one <laughs> yes, I've only and had one, one only. <laughs> it's Veronica. <laughs> exactly. She, she's been like that. But at the time, she was my girlfriend, and so she was technically, you know, still in the youth category. I know that sounds weird, but she was, we were only like oh, a couple yeah, years apart. I know, it was real weird. What in the world, you know? dude? And so— I didn't know what to do, you know, because I'm a leader. She's technically youth, and so that was the first time I remember that camp. He had gotten real with me. He was like, "Hey, you I'm know, nervous about this because you know I'm 19, and she's asking me to go to eighth grade banquet, and <laughs> is that weird?" All right, now now you are making it weird. It was it wasn't weird like that, okay? <laughs> it's okay. I mean, Carrie Carrie was technically in my college group yeah. too, even though I was just a year yeah you know a year older, but I get you. <laughs> Tell us, tell us about that. Tell us about how you guys, you know, started dating when you were a youth group leader and she was in the youth group. And tell us a little bit about that, Chase. Oh, my favorite story to tell. Uh, <laughs> it really is. I love to. I love telling the way that I met my wife because it's so silly. I and looked funny. at her across the communion table. <laughs> just no, it actually weird. wasn't at church. So, um, and my wife will agree with me. We don't necessarily agree to this. My wife actually wasn't a Christian when we first started dating, mm-hmm. um, and sh- we both agree that that's not. You know, that shouldn't have been how it was done. But um, I was the assistant manager at a skating rink. She was one of the employees there. Um, we're, by the <laughs> way, we are going to come back to this in just a few minutes. So about the skating rink, because oh, there's some gosh. information that Chase really, really needs to put on this podcast. So anyway, I'll go ahead, Chase. So, keep, keep it going. So I was 
we were just friends, genuinely. You know, she was going through a tough time with, you know, stupid guys. Happens, you know, and I was genuinely just offering advice, you know, giving her some tips here and there, trying to help her with it, and, you know, somehow they ended up breaking up, whatever. We went to lunch. I asked her out three separate times. She told me no every three times. She even looked at me and was like, ha, I would never date you. That's not even possible. Yeah, like, but guys, here's the key. Persistency is key. So I to to this day we always make a joke. I ne- we never officially asked each other out. Like we went to get lunch, came back. I was standing outside her window and I looked down and I said, "So are we doing this or what?" Oh dang! And that was history. You know, we are started we doing dating. this or what? <laughs> we started dating. So for I'd probably say three months, we were we didn't want anyone scaring me to know that we were dating because I'm her boss. Like I thought I was scared I was gonna get fired. You know, and so. I remember I was sitting in the office with the two owners and then the manager, and we had a girl that worked there with us that just, she didn't like us for whatever reason. I don't mm-hmm. know. And so she flung, flings the door open, and, are you going to tell them about y'all dating? Oh. I'm not, I'm, my face went white. I was well, like, I'm I getting wasn't. Fired. This is going to happen. And my boss, and they were like, oh, we already know about that. We're not done. Bop, bop. I was like, okay, you know, so I went from there. Um, we, so we were, you know, it was always kind of a battle of, you know, church was important to me. You know, yeah. she didn't really see the importance of it. Um, and so there was a day, I was it was a Wednesday night, I was over at her house, and I was getting ready to leave because, you know, church was getting ready to start. And she was mad that I was leaving. You know, I want you to stay here with me. I don't get why church. And so it was one of the, I, I looked at her and I said, look, I said, you need to understand that God is always going to be more important to me than you ever will be. And that was one of those things that when I said it, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you no, know, like, no, uh-oh. That's it, the truth. Well, no, it's 100% the truth. But, you know, like you but said, when you're saying, saying, you're like, oh, gosh, you know. Did I really say that? And I have those moments quite a bit. <laughs> right. You're like, can I take that back? Oh, well, okay. I maybe should have worded it differently, you it's know. And, and so she was mad. Obviously, when that, you know, she didn't get it, and I understand that. And so I went to church. Well, you know, the next day she asked if she could come to church with me on Sunday. Yeah, you know, and – Went from there. She got saved, found the Lord, and we just became a ministry together. You know, even mm-hmm. in our dating time. I mean, because we're me and my wife are such opposites. I mean, in almost every aspect. But I mean, the thing that I love about that is it, it balances out our ministry. You know, where yeah. I'm lacking in my ministry, she picks up. You know, where you know I'm good at talking to people, I will be the first to say I'm not good at listening at all. My wife is great at that. You know, she yeah. can sit there and listen. I'm a fixer. I want to have a solution right then and there. She's the one that's going to listen, and she's going to make sure that, you know, if that's something you just need to talk about, that's okay, you know. And so, you know, we dated for three, four years. Oh, gosh, I'm not sure I get that right. Four years. Um, Ken, my mentor, asked me the question, why, why, when are you going to ask her to marry you? Yeah. And I had been putting it off, you know, putting it off, putting it off. Because for me, the financial idea of marriage scared me. It wasn't the commitment part. Sure. It was the financial aspect of it, you know, sure. because, you know, I know that, with my family, financial issues played a big role in why my parents got a divorce, you know. Um, and so that just scared me. You know, I was like, in my mind, I needed the perfect situation, perfect financial situation before I could marry her, you know. And I remember my, my mentor looking at me. He said, well, do you love her? Well, yeah. Do you want to spend the rest of your life with her? Well, yeah. Then you'll figure it out together. Yeah. And I was like, but – He's like, no, there's no but. It's, but, but, it's but that no, easy. No, I need, just, I need X know. amount in the bank, and I need a right. 401K, whatever that is. <clears throat> and 
I need, I need life insurance. Yeah. I don't need life insurance yeah. before that. I don't even know happen. if I knew what life insurance was. I mean, yeah. I didn't, I, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it was all foreign to me, you know, like I didn't, all that, you know, to me, I was getting a paycheck and I was blowing it two days later. You know, I had no sense of responsibility really when it came to money, you know, and so, you know, so finally I think we had that talk and I was like, okay, you know, I think it's time, you know, and went and went to go buy the ring and picked one out and I said, you know, well, the lady asked her, like, are you sure this is the one that she wants, Ooh. you know? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Oh I was like, but you know what? I'll I'll bring Veronica. So you, and you hadn't we'll... even taken her to look at rings oh, no, or no, anything? No, because I knew once I did, then the pressure's on. Oh, once you God. look at rings, the pressure's on. Like, you've got so – but at this point, I knew I wanted to, so I, we went. Luckily, I didn't get the one that I said because it was the complete opposite yeah. of the one that she wanted. Um, and so she picked one out. Um, she went shopping. I literally bought it right then. I was like, okay, bought it. Um, this was with her with you. Yeah, she like went and did her own thing. I bought it, oh, held dang. on to it. Okay. Um, this was a Thursday, I want to say, and I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? Saturday was our four. The, we had been dating four years mm-hmm. that Saturday. I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, I, it's got to be. You know, it's got to be special. This, this world has hyped it up. Like you've got to do something. Crazy, I've got to have know? 17 of my friends with right. signs and a good. You know, track right. that's playing exactly, exactly. A flash mob. And I'm not good at that stuff. I'm not good at planning things like that. Like I'm good at having it in my head, but actually putting it in. Not good yeah. at that part. And so, literally, I'm sitting here thinking about this, and 100% got him on with the music minister of the church, and went to calls me. He's like, "Hey, man, so and so can't sing this Sunday. Can you sing this Sunday?" Why, yes, I can. I can definitely sing this Sunday. And so, got a song that you know that I thought was a good. It was one of those songs that's to God, but it's also kind of it could be a love song, you know, oh, to, to a wife. I no. know, I know, right? Yuck. You know, and so, uh, sat. We went, did something Saturday, and of course, she thought it was happening then, which made it one of those things. It was good, but it was bad because you could tell she was mad because she thought for sure it was coming, <laughs> you know. But I knew it was coming the next day, you know, so it made it better, and so. She knows I'm singing. I get up there. I, or, funny story. While we're up in the choir loft, a buddy of mine, so random, just tapped me. He's like, so when are you going to post with Veronica? You know, just jokingly. And I was like, oh, this morning. He was like, oh, really? When are you? I was like, no, no, really, this morning. I, like, pointed to the pulpit, and there was, like, a little compartment. You know, I was like, he was like, in front of all these people? Well, you got to understand, I've been going to this church for 10 years. I mean, this was my family, you know. Like, and it was – it. I don't say it was a small church, I and mean, it was probably two hundred member church, you know. And so, so you're really know. planning to put the put the pressure on her? Yes. And it, are you really going to turn me down? <laughs> right. In front exactly. Of all these exactly. People Luckily, I knew known was, me forever. There was no chance at this point with how many hints were dropped of marriage. There was no chance of her saying. <laughs> yeah, no. if you were going to back yeah. out, you should have backed out a long <laughs> exactly, time ago. Exactly. Your exit was seventeen <laughs> miles back. Right. And so, sang the song, and I did it terribly because I. I as in the proposal, because, like, I didn't invite my family. I didn't invite her family. I just – it all happened so fast. I didn't think about any of this. Almost didn't even record it. Luckily, somebody picked up on what was happening and pulled their phone out and started recording, like, oh, right, at, right at – you know, and, and realized. I was like, okay, cool. Too, super terrible quality. But it worked. You know, whatever. Yeah. And so proposed to her a year later. We got married. Ken, my mentor, um, he actually married us. He was my best man, and he married us. Uh it, yeah, it worked. We, we originally had you know someone that was going to marry us, and things just didn't work out. And so, yeah. you know, it, I always in the back of my mind think wanted him to marry marry us. Sure. But at the same time, I wanted to be my best man. I'm like, I don't know how that works. And then you realize it's your wedding. Do whatever you want, you yeah. know. And so, um, he ended up marrying us, and so we've been together two 
Hopefully. Three years? Oh, goodness. I'm going to be in trouble for that one. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm, look. Come I'm, on, man. I'm terrible with that stuff. You know, so we've been, we've been married three years um, and have a one-year-old together. Um, say together like it would be. Yeah, you keep saying that. <laughs> I keep what saying we're something like that. We have a one-year-old son. Um, yeah. uh, he'll be two in October. Just, you know, and so it's been, you know, all the fears that I was worried about when it came to marriage, just you, you've seen that the Lord – 100 percent that he had it you know yeah. he, he was he was taking care of us he was watching out for us i mean things just worked out you know I, um well and he continues to have you yeah like exactly exactly and so it, it just it was just one of those things that especially like with my marriage one but even like when you have a kid like you start thinking like god are you sure like are you sure yeah. that you trust you, you uh, i'm responsible enough to care I, for this person am i okay enough to handle this <laughs> And right. Eat, that's another. Sometimes instance. I forget to eat. Like, how yeah. am I going to remember uh, to feed him? <laughs> did I shower today? Right. <laughs> you know, but it's another one of those things. Like, you want to have the checklist planned out. Yep. Like, okay, so we're starting a college savings fund and all this other stuff. And there are probably people listening yeah. to this going, "You better have all those things." What's wrong with you? Yeah. Didn't you read that book about yep. financial peace? And oh, and I'm a checklist yada, yada, yada. person, 100. percent That's yeah. why it's. But to, to think that everything has to align just perfectly mm-hmm. for these, for marriage to happen, for kids to happen, like, trust the Lord. Yeah, like, yeah trust for sure. Trust the Lord. And it's funny, I say I'm a checklist person. The one thing I've realized that a checklist doesn't work so well with is kids. It just doesn't work. Like you can, oh, really? You, can, you yeah. can plan it as well as you want to. Oh, man. I mean, I still remember that first night. You know, luckily, so we actually, um, we lived with her parents for the first, you know, couple of months just because we – we had no clue what we're doing, and we both thought, hey, it's going to be better if we have that support system mm-hmm. to help us out. And I'm, I literally remember the first night we brought Aiden home. Aiden was screaming the whole night, the whole night, the whole night. And so about 7.30, I decided I'll take him downstairs to, you know, so Veronica can get some sleep. And Veronica's mom, love her to death, she she walked out, and she was like, are you okay? And literally, I just broke, just starts crying. I was like, I'm not okay. I don't, you know, like, I, I, and she was like, you want me to take him for a little bit? And like yes please like i'm just you know like it, it was one of those breath. things that, yeah it was one of those things and so literally like she took him i went and like took like a nap and everything and after that it was like okay you know we we figured it out you know first six months of Aiden's life were really hard because he had stomach issues so i mean if he was awake he was screaming you know i mean that was just that was our normal you know and so once we figured all that out things got a little bit easier but you know the whole the whole child process for us was just crazy and everyone almost died giving birth to Aiden. that's always a crazy story you know she actually had a c-section lost blood on the table they didn't think they were gonna bring her back like crazy thing they actually recommend us not having well they recommend us not having any more kids and then they came back and were like well if you did we'd be better prepared here's a checklist but i still don't but i still don't recommend yeah <laughs> but i still don't recommend <laughs> it so and so of course veronica wants another one but it's it's terrifying to me i mean i'm scared, you know I, at that moment i thought i was gonna lose my wife you know and sure. it's just a scary moment you know and Having a kid in general is scary, but then you tack on your wife could possibly right. die from this, you know. And so it was just this crazy thing. The whole nine months were miserable for me. She literally was sick the whole nine months. I mean, I can't think of how many hospital visits we made. You know, she's to this day hates, like, you know, because people will be like, oh, after the first three months, you'll start feeling better. And she's like, <laughs> she's no, she's like, like she's don't believe up. that. Don't believe no. that. But we do. Be quiet. We, we tell everyone. Like, everybody asks, like, well, like that when they're having kids, well, what was your experience? Like, you 
Don't ask us what our experience was like. Like, don't tell don't me, base your experience off of what ours. Tell was. me about the beauty of preparing for <laughs> childbirth. Yeah. Well, let's see. Think <laughs> of screaming in a in a dark closet, and I don't want to talk oh, yeah. to you anymore. Oh yeah, it was it was one of the. I mean, it was just crazy. We just tell them we're like, don't ask us that question. Like, you know, ba- <laughs> go, ask, go ask someone that everything went great for them and you base go. your opinion off of that one <laughs> because maybe it'll it, turn out that way. It's for you. it's literally it's not only is it different for everybody, it's different for every kid. You know, that's kind of what we've, you know, we have thought about having more, you know, having another a kid and just that's what we're like. You know, it's it's different. Every every child is different. Every birth experience is different. So we made it happen, and I it made it completely I different. I still think you guys need to be gut level honest and say it really it really was scary and it really oh, sucked it because was how many people go into it going oh yeah this is going to be a cakewalk and it's no big deal and then all of a sudden you have an experience like oh, yeah. that but that's you know that comes with being real and just not just with childbirth but anything yeah like for sure hey how's how's parenting going it's great <laughs> In the yeah. middle of all the schools being shut down, it's oh yeah, fun. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and it, it, I'm going crazy. Yeah, it is something that I feel like a lot of people don't want to be real about. You know, yep. they want to think that it's just this we have everything great thing, out. everything, and and it's not. I mean, that's just that's with life in general, like you said. But when you tack on marriage, when you tack on, you know, where yeah. you're where there's someone else thrown into the mix. You know, that's you know you're having to you have two people's feelings, you have two people's right. spirituality, you have things like that that are coming together that you're trying to work with, and that's where it gets. You know, when you're by yourself, some you know, it's a little bit it, it's easier than. But then when you start bringing other people, in, right. it gets more complicated. But it also gets so much more rewarding because you're getting to experience these things with more people. You're getting to experience greater things because of these things. Right. You know, and so it's real. Like you said, it, it has its bad moments. But you know, I know for a fact that we our situation wouldn't be the same if it would have happened the way it did. You know, it gives us a different story. It gives us a unique thing that is us. You know, so yeah. I think that's something that you know. We've enjoyed about it for sure. We and I always say like you know we in in our checklist you know we wanted to wait two three years before we had a kid sure. but we were married seven months and you know ter- I thought I was terrified when it came to marriage whenever she told me she was pregnant I was so what scared out of my mind I had yeah. no clue what I was gonna do you know and I tell people this and I I get I'm not a baby person at all I don't mm-hmm. like babies you know I, and and I said people are like wait a second. yes I know I have one and I love him dearly. But when he was a baby, I was lost. I had no clue what to do. I was, you know, luckily we had Veronica's parents because yeah. I'm not how to hold them. I'm awkward about holding them. Oh, yeah. How, I mean, all that. Just like, we, Still to this day, when like we go a, to the hospital. It's like a rugby ball, right? It's right, like a football. Exactly. <laughs> literally, not to this day, quite. I've had a kid. When we go to the hospital, somebody's, do you want to hold them? Nope. Sure don't. Yeah, no. What do you mean? Nope. Don't want to hold him. Will you? I nope. So don't want to. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna drop him or break yep, him or something. I, I, I don't. I'm just not. You know. And so that's just. It's always been that way. I've just never been a baby person. You yeah. know. They're cute. Yeah, but they can be cute from a distance. You There's, know. And that's just. That's just me. <laughs> Chase. Chase still loves Aiden and hugs him. I in love case Aiden you're worried about that. But now that he's actually, see, you know, now he's almost two, and so now you know we're getting to actually interact with each other and he can tell me what he wants instead of just screaming at me. Now he still screams at me instead of telling me sometimes. But, you know, whenever that was my big thing, like when I didn't know, when I didn't, you know, Veronica, parents tell you this, but it never happened with me. You know, they're like, oh, you know this, the cry. I never figured out the cries apparently because they all sounded the same to me. You know, like, Veronica, like oh, that's his hunger cry. I'm like, you sure? Because it sounds like the other three cries he did earlier. No, no, it's his hunger cry. Oh, okay, okay. okay. And, 
She was well, right. You give him a bottle, he was fine. But to me, they go. all sound exactly the same. So she's your translator. Yep. You know. Yep. Look, that that's one of those things that, you know, I, it was one of those, it was so crazy, you know. I don't. By no means, I know it can it can happen, but I'm so glad I had my wife. You know, when it came to having a child, because, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things. Like I, I encourage people. Make sure your marriage is good before you start having children because it does add a level of stress. But it's it'll bring you so much closer together if you if you're making sure you're spiritually prepared yeah. for it. You make sure you're emotionally and you're not going to be prepared 100. percent You can't be, but you've got to start building yourself up because. But having my wife there, having you know her her parents, my parents, having you know our friends and family. I mean, we definitely couldn't have done this if it wouldn't have been for them. You know, right. I mean, it's definitely about building up your village. You know, and. I tell living in community. Yeah, I tell Aiden all the time. I mean, I can't say how many aunts and uncles. I'm using quotations like y'all can see that, but aunts and uncles he has that, you know, they're just friends that have and they've right. been a part of his life. So I want him growing. That's his family. You know, like yeah. being in the children's home. I tell the kids all the time, like, this, if you want to look at it this way, that's your brother. You know, I want him to grow up seeing y'all as family. You know, well, yeah, you may maybe only, you, he's your cousin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah, now. you may only be he. You know, he may only know you for a year or whatnot, but. I want my son to grow up loving everyone, you know, and, yeah. and seeing everyone as his family because that's what I've enjoyed about church. That's what I've enjoyed about being, you know, a, a part of the body of believers is feeling like it's one big family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and things like that. And I've just – I'm a social person. I love people, so that <laughs> that works out. So, Yeah. Well, like a lot of folks here at Cottage Hill since we're talking about the church, I mean, you and Veronica both grew up here in Mobile, have lived here, what, You've lived here your entire life, right? We've both lived in Mobile our yeah. entire life. <laughs> lived here your entire life. There are plenty of folks from Well, Coachella. technically, Veronica's lived, like, a little bit outside of Mobile. We still consider it Mobile. Okay. It's just easier that way. Citronelle. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what The Mobile metropolitan for, area. For a majority like, of our what life. What is that? Yeah, for a majority of our life. I've been here all of my life for right. her majority of life. So so when it, when it comes to that, that may not be super unique mm-hmm. to you in spending your life here in Mobile. But, man, you really do have some unique hobbies. Um, like you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, but, but let's, let's kind of let some people know what some of those unique hobbies are. One in particular, oh, well, when I, it comes I, to how you grew up. I enjoy and, singing. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. What I know what you want me to get at. Um, so I used to do it. Used to, I, still, I still do it every night. A thing called jam skating. Uh, it's it's break dancing on skates. Um, so to preface the skating rink thing, my dad owned a skating rink majority of my life. Grew up skating. I mean, if you look at any pictures of me, I was probably at the skating rink. I mean, that was just part of my life, part of my family's life. My dad was a professional figure skater. Um, I hate Hang to, on. He, ice skating. No, or no roller skating. roller skating. Like, but he but it was. Similar to ice skating, like he okay. wore the unitard, everything. He sent oh, me, a, wow. he sent me a picture the other. Day. I didn't know. He sent me a picture the other day, and I was like, oh, oh, like you really did this, you know? And uh, <laughs> and so, so this is where Chase's love of leotards actually comes from. Exactly. <laughs> no, and so so I, I I grew up skating. Um, you know, once he sold the skating rink, didn't really go. Well, then I got in middle school, and that's when it was cool to go to the skating rink. You know, and so every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if the doors were open, I was there. Well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this thing called Jam Scan came around, and so I, they had a team there. I joined it. We traveled, went to Chicago, went to South Carolina, all kinds of places to compete, you know. I was never the best, and I know I was never the best. Like, 
you know, but I enjoyed it. It was something, and I enjoyed the camaraderie of it. You know, I enjoyed the team. What, what was your nickname on the jam skating team? Chase. I didn't have it. It was, it was like Little Chris and Big Chris. It was like all the other ones, but no, I was just Chase. I wasn't. Yeah, little Chris and yeah. Big Chris and <laughs> Jammer and Chase. No, our team was called the Port City Jammers. So, oh, wow. Yeah, well, it was Port City Jammers, and then I left that team, and I went to one. There's a skating team, Daphne, oh, and we were called man. the Jubilee Jammers. Wow. Right, I know. You changed right. teams. Oh, man. I know, such a traitor. You know, it, it, you said it sounds. There really was this rivalry. So, like, you did know, you, did y'all we, have like the nylon shiny jackets with like jammers across the back? No, we did have shirts that had like our names and everything. Yeah, we did have all that good stuff, you know. And so, but there really was this rivalry. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, so we were all at the skating rink on Hillcrest, and then there's the uh, Dreamland, I think, over on Tillman's Corner. And, like, they had their team, and like, oh, wow. literally, we would like, like Fridays, we would show all, up and we, fight. We, Fridays we would all come to one skating and we would all compete and we would all have our thing and then we go to the other skating. We it was a ride, but we were all genuinely friends. But it was just something okay. fun. Like it made like we used to. So it wasn't like you sabotaged each other's skates. Oh no 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 no, no, no. we were friends. Like we but it was one of those things like we would leave the skating rink, go downtown, go to the parking garages, and like go to the top and just skate down. It was just it was a family thing. Like we genuinely it's just. It was something that was fun to do. It was something different. Yeah. You know, nobody else was doing it. Nope. When you, and when you were jam skating at Skating Rink, you were the cool kid. So, like, it's the first time in my life that I got to be the cool kid about what's Chase, something. Chase I mean, Allen, cool kid. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get many opportunities to be the cool kid. <laughs> and in that moment, at the Skating Rink only, nowhere else, <laughs> but at cl- the Skating Rink, cloud nine. I was the cool kid. <laughs> Look, I got to take it when I can get it, man. Now, when I walked out the doors <laughs> of the Skating Rink and went back to school, Cool kid status went away. Oh, you didn't brag about that? Oh, no, no, no. No, oh, one, no one knew about any of that. You know? <laughs> but at the skating rink, I was the cool kid, and I like loved a, it. It's like a completely <laughs> different world. <laughs> you know, you're in high school, things are things are just high school, and then you're at the skating rink, and it's your own world. And yeah, but it, it's, it's, one of, it's just got its own world. You know, like all of the things that I feel like I like, like they have their own world. Like the other people, like yeah. I love wrestling, you know, like WWE. That's one of my things. Like yeah. a lot of people don't, but. I have a group of friends that that's our thing. I mean, there's five of us. Like, when the pay-per-view happens, we all get together. We grill out. That's our thing. Now, they're all into other sports. I'm not. Sometimes I wish I was because they switch from wrestling to what's happening in another sport. They start talking about, well, right now it's nothing. Oh, yeah, exactly. So that's good for me. (laughs) But I'm just like, Oh, cool. It's the 1994 POG tournament from Honolulu. Great. (laughs) I'm like, can we switch back to – thing i know about you know like, hey man remember remember macho man randy savage remember right right remember that guy <laughs> yeah let's that go was, back to those days. that was my favorite he was always my favorite there you but, go man but it's yeah. weird because wrestling's the one thing that is still happening like i don't you know they're taping in you know in a warehouse like they mm-hmm. have a training facility down in florida and so that's where they're recording from and there's no audience like no nothing it's weird but so for wrestling fans, yeah. we still get to watch it weekly. You know, I mean, hey. it comes on Friday, it comes on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Man, so I, I we kinda, get it every day. <laughs> I kind of get it. I had a teammate back in high school on our baseball team mm-hmm. that his dad was was a professional wrestler oh, nice. uh, in Texas, and they would have family nights where they wrestled in their backyard. So go. it's kind of <laughs> similar. You yeah, know? yeah. And I kid you not, one day at practice, he's just man, just out of it. And coach, our coach asked him what what was wrong. He said, man, we were. We were up wrestling to him about four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, yeah. And we all, we didn't know to laugh or what because we knew his family. We knew yeah. it was true. Oh yeah. But well, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. That's the funniest I? thing. 
Never was allowed to watch wrestling as a kid, you know, which high that drama, was, man. That, well, that was the attitude era. That was when they were flipping the bird on live TV. That's oh, when, yeah. like, you were having all this weird stuff that you're Got not supposed some, to do. So mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to watch it. You Stone know, Cold so, Steve Austin coming out there. Ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. So, but now, but then I got into it. I think it was probably senior year of high school. A buddy of mine, oh, wow. he started watching it, or he, he he was into it, and I was like, well, you know, I start watching it, and then we had another buddy, and so every Monday night we'd go over to this buddy's house and we'd watch it, and it grew to four. Five, and now we have a core group of guys that it's so funny because I remember us all sitting in my buddy's room, you know, on his futon watching wrestling. And now, you know, all of them are married. You know, one just had a kid. Another one, they're getting married. Like you just, but we all still get together with our families and go and back watch to that wrestling. one futon. <laughs> right, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> but it's it's become such and so, so something that's so much bigger. And now it's part like our families get together, you know, yeah. and like it's just enjoyable, you know, and so. I don't know. I, I, I love anything that has camaraderie. So I will say, like, football, like, I will watch the Super Bowl sometimes with people because I enjoy the camaraderie part of it. You know, like, yeah. we're all getting together. I may not have any clue what's going on, you know, like. <laughs> hey, home run. I, it, don't get me wrong. I wish I could get into sports. I really do because yeah. so many people are into them and it gives you something to talk about. Right. I've tried. I really have. Like, I asked my buddy that he, I was like, how do you get into it? He's like, honestly, he's like. Just pick a team and go with it. Exactly. Doesn't, doesn't matter how bad they are. He's like, because eventually they'll be good. More than he's like, maybe 20, 30 years Man, from now, but eventually they'll be good. <laughs> I, I took it. I took an online test. I was just randomly said, "What uh, Premier League team should I cheer for?" So when it comes to Premier League, that's soccer in in England. Yeah, totally knew that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and started cheering for Manchester City. No, not knowing that there's two different teams in Manchester, okay. Manchester United, Manchester City. Anyway, like, kind of have gotten into it, and I just picked them. They were my team, and they won the championship and all this other stuff. And so it's like, oh, you're a bandwagon fan. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, it worked. But, uh, you know, Facebook told me that I should be a Manchester City fan. So that's – I went with it. Let's go. Yeah. Go Citizens. Yeah. But – Well, they just got into hockey, too. So that, like – There you go. Hockey's their thing now, too, and I'm like, like guys, I – I want to like I, like and they were telling me like I'm not Canadian enough. They for were this. trying to get me to do fantasy football. Like if you do that, like it gets you into it because you have to oh, keep track man. of it. You have to. And I'm like, but I don't know enough to keep track of like, yeah. like and they. But then one of their girlfriends like she wasn't into it. And the year that she was like, she just picked a bunch of random people, won the whole league that year. And I was like, maybe I'll get lucky. If that you're way, into you fantasy know? football. That stuff drives you crazy. And it look legit when we're watching our rest or something like that. You, their phones are like dinging because you know a lot of pay-per-views come on on Sunday. A lot of football comes on on Sunday, and so uh-huh. they're, you know, their phones are dinging. They're watching on their phone while we're. I'm like, you know, like, this yeah. is this is a lot. You know, this is a lot for me, and so yeah. I've tried to get into it. I genuinely have, but it just, I, I'm gonna get slack for it's boring to me. Going live, I, mean, I went to live games, and those are great. Like those are fun, right? But watching it on TV, I just a little different. I don't know. I just it's a little I different watching it. it on a screen. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, like we went to we took the kids to a Bama to one of the Bama games. Mm. Love that experience. Like there, but again, just it's, I guess it's the TV aspect. Of it. Like maybe if I just went to every game live, maybe I would love it. Good but, luck with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know that's not a possibility. <laughs> you know, but you know, but then I know like I was like they'll just watch it all day. I mean, just game oh, yeah. after game after game after game, and I'm like, yeah, who's playing? I don't even know. I'm yeah. just. I don't know. It's Big Ten football, so we care a whole lot about that, but it's on. Cool. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Indiana State and Youngstown. There you go. I don't even know where those places <laughs> are, but okay. Yeah. So when it comes to your faith, where you work, 
we kind of talked about this a, just a little bit earlier in the podcast, but how does faith and the gospel envelop everything that you guys do? Like, how is that fleshed out through your role at the children's home and how you, you lead your family, but mm-hmm. also those kids who are under your care? What does that look like? Wow. So, you know, to preface how we kind of got to the children's home, you know, I've always wanted to do full-time ministry. You know, that's something I prayed over, I, you know, and and for me that meant being a paid employee of a church. That's, that was my idea of full-time ministry, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, you know, I had, I had prayed for doing full-time ministry and just kind of go back and um, – this was right before me and Veronica, I was, we were going to get married, and I was going to propose to her. I knew I needed to get what I call a big boy job. Like, okay, I was working um, um, Laser Zone. I was the manager there. And so, you know, yes, it was a great job, but I knew, okay, I need to get something, you know, that yeah. will, will stick with me. And so I was like, I'm going to do a trade. So I'd never done any – I call it hard work. Like, I'd never done work like that. I'd always done, like, indoor desk jobs per se, right. you know. Um, well, Veronica's dad, he's done HVAC – 25 years and worked for the same company the whole time and so I was like hey you know can you get me a job he's like well you you can go up there and you can ask and you know like, but it's on it's on you you know like I'll yeah. mention who you are but you know and I, I don't blame him you know he wanted me to do the work so I went up you know there and asked for a job got the job and the first three months I literally and I don't mind saying this I called Veronica every day crying I can't do this I hate this job I don't you know I'm working on the heat I'm working up in hot attics. I'm going under houses. Like, I don't want to do this, you know. Right. And, and every day my wife, being the great wife, she, you know, well, girlfriend at the time, um, being how amazing she was, hey, just stick it out, you know. And I kept telling her, God, I told God I want to do full-time ministry. Like, this isn't full-time ministry, you know. And so it wasn't until one day I went to a customer's house, and she just starts crying. And I'm like, whoa, what's this about? Uh-oh. She starts telling me about how her it's son okay, I'm going to get your AC back on. It's okay. <laughs> but she starts telling me about how her son had just passed away and then mm. her AC wasn't working. And I just said, can I, can I pray for you? Yeah, you can. Started praying with her. Left that house. I'd never had this kind of joy at this job. And I called yeah. and said, it just clicked. This is full-time ministry. You know, I'm – I'm going into at least four, maybe five random people's home. Like, they're inviting me into their home. This is the perfect opportunity for me to share the gospel. Right. This is the perfect opportunity. Like, you know, and don't worry, I didn't go in every house, you know, ask them if they believe in Jesus. Like, that's not that. But but it gave me more opportunities. Like, you, I, I met you these people. You know what's hotter than your house? <laughs> Hell. Right, exactly. You know Jesus? Ooh, <laughs> but, that's a lead-in right there. Exactly. But, but it gave me an opportunity to build a relationship with it. Generally, like, I had yeah. so many customers that – requesting me back because of the relationship aspect of it. Sure. You know, I, I'm a big believer in a main quality of a good of customer service. Like you've got to have, and so that was right. that was what I was good at. I was good at talking to people, and so did that for like for about three years. Veronica had gotten a job at the children's home as an administrative assistant, and so I was going up there, you know, lunch her lunch break to see her, and you know after work I'd go up there, and um, our director, me, him, and then Ken. Um, we used to meet on Saturday mornings and just talk, you know, you know, just, you know, we were all in different aspects of our lives. And so we were kind mm-hmm. of just playing off of each other, helping each other out in different areas. And so kind of had that connection there. And, you know, I told Veronica the posi- we, we had heard, you know, we, we were kind of thinking about the position and the people that were in the position, they were looking to transition out, you know, and so we're like, okay, 
this is something we want to do. At Ver- Verush Bronco, not because Veronica didn't want to do this job, but she loved her job in the office. Right. You know, like just she genuinely loved it, and she didn't want to do it at first. And so, you know, I was very insistent for for the longest time. You know, because I really, I j- this is something that I, w- I always wanted to do, work with youth, and I always wanted to do ministry. Well, this is the perfect way to do both. And we've always wanted a big family too. Like it's always been a thing that we've wanted. And so, yeah. you know, we we were prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it. Uh, when we found out we were uh, she was pregnant. We kind of start thinking like, well, like, you know, once Aiden comes, like, we're going to have to start thinking about daycare. We're going to start thinking about all this aspect. Well, luckily with the children's home, you know, we live there. You know, we're there as a family. And to preface, me and Veronica had always worked together, too. You know, like, we worked at Skating together. We worked at Laser Zone together. Like, we genuinely loved being together. Like, we loved working together. We felt we worked well together. And so this was a chance that we could work together again. Yeah. And so, you know, worked out that the uh, the – girl that was in the position of the uh, of the house her and Veronica actually switched she went down to the office and me and Veronica went up to the house and so got in there and you know these kids you know they're all coming from different situations but mm-hmm. they're all not ideal situations so you know our job is just to love on these kids our job is just to you know we're not worried about their case. We're not worried. You know, that's not our job. Right. Our, you know, we're not their social workers. That's not what we're here to do. We're here just to love on them and genuinely show them the love of Christ. You know, I mean, this is probably, for some of them, the only experience they'll ever have with Christ. Right. The only, And they're only with us usually a year, year and a half. So one thing that we've had to come to realization with is that not every kid's going to get saved. Like, we're not the Holy Spirit. We can't, you know, but it's our job to plant seeds. It's our job yeah. to just... Show these kids who God is. Show these kids what His love is by acting it out, you know, and um, and just letting them go with it. Letting you know, I say let them let let God take over, you know, yeah. like let that that'll happen naturally. And so, you know, it's this job is genuinely about just live. You you have to live out the gospel with this job, like one hundred percent, you know, because it it's all about loving, you know, not just loving these kids, loving their parents. You know, I mean, that's been one of the hardest. That's probably things. one yeah, of the hardest things. That's one hundred percent one of the hardest things for me is not getting jaded to some right. of these parents. You know, especially with our goal is we want them to go back to you know, and sometimes not the parents, but go back to whoever. Right. And so you know, sometimes we listen to phone calls and you just hear some of the things the parents say, and you want to be mad, you want to get upset, and you want to look at that kid and say, "Hey, your parents lying. Like they're lying to you. Like what they're saying is not true." But that's not going to help anything. That's not yeah. going to fix anything. You know. And so it's a matter of just, like I said, acting out the gospel loving them, loving their parents through this difficult time that we've all went through. We've all, maybe not exactly the same, but we've all had sin in our life, just like these parents, just like these kids, sure. and we've, we're all going through life. So it's a matter of showing them that, hey, you know, there's there's some, there's some a God out there that's going to love you no matter what, that even if your parents fail you, even if I fail you, because I'm not perfect, mm-hmm. God's not going to fail you. You know, God's got you. God's going to be there for you. God's going to watch out for you. And, I mean, that's... That's the best way to do this job, 100%. Is just, again, just sh- share the, you know, be, be the gospel, you know, live it out. And by all means, I'm, I don't do, I know for a fact I don't do that perfectly at all. I mean, sure. I, I fail, you know, regularly. I mean, I, when when we first started the job, you know, my mentality is, okay, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to be super nice to all these kids and they're all just going to love me. It's not the aspect. I mean, right. a lot of these kids resent us because, you know, to, you know, you're keeping them back from it, doing exactly in yeah. their mind, and so you know I came in, Mr. Nice Guy, and you know I want to be everybody's best friend, and that's just not how this job. You know, I mean the first six months of the job, I mean I we we just struggled. You know, I mean the when we go in the house, and we 
in our mind, we think it's the kids' fault. We think it's the kids' fault, and it took you know um, some of the other house parents. You know, we've had a lot. I mean, they've they've been great. You know, mm-hmm. um, Tiffany and Bobby Smith, and then Karen Philip Jewel. Like they've both both of those they've done this for a while. They're not necessarily just with ABCH, but um, Philip and Karen came from a, uh, another another place before they came here, and then Tiffany and Bobby were at our Decatur campus, and so we've gotten. I mean, we've played off of them. I mean, we just asked yeah. them, hey, you know, so so all and so it took you know, them being real with us sometimes and telling us, hey, this isn't working, hey, this isn't working, and realizing, okay, you know, you've got to be a parent in this situation. Right. I came in wanting to be everybody's best friend. You can't be everybody's best friend in this situation because you're in a, a parental role, you know, and so, yeah. and that's that's hard for me. I mean, even though I have, you know, a, a child, he's, you know, that I, that's new, especially with teenagers. I mean, teenagers, you genuinely have to, it's, it's a hard line trying to find that because, you do want to try to find a good balance of being a friend, it, you know, and it's just hard with teenagers because, you know, if you go too far one way, they're going yep. to take advantage of you. Naturally, that's just, you know, part of it. If you go too far the other way, they're going to resent you, you know. Yep. So it's like this just balancing game that's always hard. You know, and every kid's different too. I mean, every kid comes in with a different aspect. Every kid mm-hmm. comes in with a different story. And so you have to figure it out, you know, and it's not easy at all, you know, but it's one of those things that it's, one of the most rewarding job. I mean, like I said, you, you know, when you get to see a kid go home, you know, and yeah. I mean, you get to, you know, you get to stand there as they're loading their stuff in their their parents' car to be able to go home again. Like that's just an amazing feeling, you know. Or you know, sometimes the kids will get adopted. Like you get to see them go to their forever home. Like it's just, it, yeah. it, it's amazing. Again, does it have its rough moments for sure? I mean, that's just any anything that you do. But you know, you have those good moments and you look forward to those good moments and yeah. they happen, you know, and, and they're great. And so, um, like I said, we've been there two years. As of right now, we plan on being there <laughs> until something else comes up. I mean, that's just, we, you know, we genuinely love this job and um, it gives us a chance to be together as a family, but it also gives us the chance to, you know, we want to do ministry. Mm-hmm. We want to do ministry with young people. We want to be together as a family and we've always wanted a big family. You know, God kind of gave us a lot of the things that we want. And, and we may not be able to have more kids, you know, so this is our yeah. chance to love on these kids. And, yeah, they're not ours, and they're not going to be here forever. And, you know, I thought that aspect was going to be hard, harder than it is. And sure. it is hard, you know, to love a kid and then say, okay, time to go away, you know. But that's just part of it, and it's made us, I feel like, it's made us really appreciate love and relationships more because you build them and then, you know, we have kids that'll leave and they'll call every day after they leave. Yeah. We have some kids that leave and we never hear from them again, you right. know. And so it's just some of those things that you do it. But Ken, you know, they're they're foster parents, and he was the one I asked. And I said, you know, how do you? I, I asked. And I said, I said, how how do I love this kid as my own, knowing that they'll never be mine? He's like, that's that's just it. You have to love these kids as if they're your own, yeah. knowing they're not going to be that's yours. Hard. You know, and, and it is, but you know. It, it's so rewarding because, you know, you see glimmers of the seed that you plant. You mm-hmm. see things. And, you know, like one of my favorite things that I was telling one of the house parents the other day is driving in the van and, you know, Caleb is on and just hearing the kids that have probably never heard Christian music know every word and just singing at the top of their lungs, mm-hmm. like genuinely praising, you know. And, and, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm an emotional person. I just am. That's just my thing. How many times I've been driving and just crying because they're, you know, it, it, they're just back there just genuinely praising, you know, yeah. and 
and loving it and loving these moments and love. I mean, they love coming to church. They love being a part of Mezzo. They love the family here. I mean, they genuinely love it, you know. And I mean, that's important, you know, because again, some of them have never experienced it. And when they leave here, they may never get to experience it again. But at right. least that hope, at least they know that it's there and it's always going to be there for them. And that's my biggest thing is giving them hope in something that's not going to fail them, mm. you know, because their parents can fail them. I can fail them, right. you know, but God's not going to fail them. And that's, I think the biggest thing is showing them that, you know, that he's there, he's got you yeah. no matter how bad your life gets, no matter how crazy things are, he's always going to be consistent. He's always going to be comforting. He's always going to be there for you. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's all, that's all you can do with, with it, you know, because, you know, it, it took a long time, but it may, I had to realize I'm not the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, it's not, you know, my job isn't necessarily to bring all these kids to Christ. My job is to share it with them yep. and let, let it go from there, you know. And so, and so we've loved it. I mean, we really have. It's been a blessing on our lives. It's been a blessing on Aiden's life. Aiden loves right. all of them. I mean, he just, you know, they, he's starting to, like, learn their names, you know, and he's starting uh-huh. to learn their faces and so you know like we go into the house and i mean he's just so excited when he sees all of them you know and so it's just and and they're excited they genuinely love aiden and aiden genuinely loves them it's just mm-hmm. you know to see that love I and mean, it's just it, it 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 makes me happy as a dad you know knowing my son's gonna grow up hopefully loving all people because of the right. situation you know i mean so i think that's been a real rewarding part of it, you yeah know? in light of all of that, in light of your job, in light of seeing, I mean, kids who didn't have a relationship with the Lord, suddenly they're in the back of the van just proclaiming his goodness through song, all that stuff. But even in light of what you've been experiencing through quarantine and social distancing <laughs> and all all these things. All these, those terrible these words. <laughs> weird times that we're living in. You know, one thing that we always ask to kind of wrap up the podcast is what is something the Lord has been teaching you about himself lately? Like what has become more clear over these last weeks, days, months, whatever it may have been? What's yeah. something that has become more clear to you about the Lord? Um, for, for me, it's genuinely being intentional with my time and intentional with my time and, and, and towards God, you know, and. Mm-hmm. I have all these hours in the day, and you know, and yes, in our situation, so not a, a, t- a whole lot has necessarily changed us because we were, you know, we we don't go to a job every day. You know, we live in a house, and so you know now the kids are just there with us all the time. You know, that's the only you know major difference. You know, but you know, it's so easy to just sit back and do nothing with the mm-hmm. time. It's so easy to sit back and just play yeah. on your phone the whole time. It's so easy to just get lost in a Netflix show and just watch, 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 watch. And, and it is. And has that happened for me? Yes, there's been days that that's happened. Right. But it's weird. And may, maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. But the weather during this whole quarantine has just been great. You know, there's been a couple of like – It doesn't match how how I feel like majority yeah. of people feel. Right. I agree. I it agree. It should be dark and gloomy yeah. and just gross. And- but – it's just, hey. One of my favorite things lately that me and Veronica have been, you know, so, you know, Aiden goes down for a nap, you know, he goes down for one of his naps, and our favorite thing is, you know, okay, Aiden's down for a nap, we all go outside, I mean, yeah. we have a cup of coffee, and we sit on the rocking chairs, and that's just our time. Like, we talk, the kids are playing, yeah. you know, and it's something different that we've started doing because of 
you know, this time like used to, you know, the kids are in school, so we're just going to sit on the couch. And But now we have it. Okay, let's go outside, guys. You know, like let's, mm-hmm. you know, it's been strange enough. You would think this would be one of the most stressful times with us being in the kid, but it's been some of the happiest times. And we've, you know, it's the kids have been, I mean, they're getting stir crazy and they want to sure. get out. And that's understandable. I, I get that, you know, but they've been great. I mean, like, you know, they've, they're, they're, pushing through it with us you know yeah. and they're making the most of it and they're doing the best they can and that's just you know and so I, th- I think in that moment god is you know i was talking to my mom the other day about this whole thing and you know they were sh- I, w- I read somewhere that you know domestic violence is up lately yeah. you know and it made me realize like how many families are using work as a reason to get away from their families you know and what god is i think trying to teach us all in this moment is be like be with your family be right. with you know your Slow people it down. Be, yeah just yeah. be a family, enjoy your time together, you know, and and I think that's what we're we're trying to do. Again, we're trying to and you have to be intentional with your time too because right. kids are gonna get bored, like you have to be doing stuff, you know, pretty regularly or or they're gonna get bored, you know, and so it's making us be more creative in, in our endeavors. It's making us try different things, it's making us you know, like God I th- it, it's so amazing to look at the situation and you know, you hear all the time that God likes to take ugly things and make them beautiful. God right. likes to take, but you genuinely see that He's doing that with this. I mean, you genuinely see that, you know. And I, I've, I've talked to you about it, you know. And what's going to come after this? I think I genuinely think that God is preparing the church. He's preparing us for when this is over because it's up. To, it's it's a lot. We're going to have to do a lot when this is over. You know, as people right. people have lost their jobs. People are, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that need. And I think that's where the church steps in. I think the Lord is telling us as a church, use this time wisely. Right. Prepare yourself. Build, be building yourselves up. Equip yourselves because when this, when the quarantine's over, all of that, I'm going to need you. Yeah. You know, these people are going to need you. It's up to the. I genuinely think that the church is getting ready to have to work hard. You know, and that's and that's sure. okay. You know, but you know, because there's going to be so many people coming to the Lord through this. There's going to be, and we've already seen it. You know, there's going to be so many families that are. Going to be, bro- you know, the domestic violence. That there's going to be families that are broken. They're going to need the church, right. you know. And so I, I encourage all fellow believers. You know, I encourage prepare yourselves, you know, because I, I think that's what God's doing. You know, get in His Word, get in your your prayer time with Him, equip yourselves because you know it's coming where where we're going to be needed the most. And I just I, we need to be prepared for that, you know. And so and I can't wait. I'm excited. You know, it's scary because I genuinely think that. We have a lot, but, you know, I, 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 we just all need to be aware of that's coming so we can be prepared and equip ourselves for when it comes. So. Well, Chase, thank you for being with us on the Man Talk podcast today. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for listening. If you are not aware, we are available on pretty much every single podcast platform you oh, can imagine wow. now. Uh, Apple Podcast finally got us up, and so – Connection. Check man. it out, Man Talk Podcast. Um, but as always, just remember that you never walk alone. And thanks for being with us today. Until next time. Thank you for joining with us on this week's episode of Man Talk Podcast at Cottage Hill. If you'd like more information on the men's ministry here at Cottage Hill Baptist Church, Email chbcmen at cottagehill.org. Until next time, remember, you never walk alone.